Hello everyone. So in continuation to the previous podcast, uh, we'll try to learn, uh, try to study chapter 9 and 10 today of uh, class 6 NCRT history, our past, part 1. So hope you all liking my podcast. So if you do like, please share and do follow me. Okay, so let's get into this. Uh, the chapter 9, so it's named as uh, Vital Villages and Thriving Towns. Okay. So the textbook talks about the, uh, the tools and the kind, the growth of agriculture that has happened uh, in these times, like the, in the times of Mauryan Empire. So iron with us, so iron uh, metallurgy was almost uh, dated back uh, for about 3000 years ago. So there were traces of iron tools and weapons in, even in uh, megalithic barriers. So for irrigation works, they have uh, the historians or archaeologists have also found traces of canals, canals, wells, tanks, artificial lakes. So just to know before that so who lived in villages so who all lived in villages we'll try to know uh, the kind of people uh, and uh, their uh, situations and their lifestyle so that we can get a broader perspective of uh, what we are trying to know okay the first one uh, being south india so there were three different peoples in south india so they were categorized based on the type of work they do in the similar way like in previous chapters when where uh, there were varnas to define in this there were uh, other ways of categorizing people so this uh, in this south india has a different way and north india has a different altogether different way of uh, categorizing people based on the works so there are three uh, major groups the first groups being vellalar vellalar in tamil means large land owners and the second group being uh, uravar uravar u z h a v a r z h a v a r z means z okay uravar so these groups uh, are meant to be the plowmen so who generally do the agriculture and the other groups we all know are the labor or slave groups which are named as Kadai CR Adimai. Kadai CR Adimai. Kadai CR Adimai. Adimai or Adimai. Okay. So these were the three groups, major groups which are which were prevalent in villages in South India. So now we come to North India. So North India has a the same similar three groups so the first one being Gram Bojka on top so Gram Bojka means the village headman okay the second one being Grihapatis Grihapatis are more or less the name itself is like Grihapati which means like they do farming and the third uh, group as we all know they are belong to labors and slaves 
those are known as dasa or karamkara in north india okay so karamkara is uh, very similar to hindi word karam karamkari or something like that and dasa dasa or dasi in hindi also uh, similarly sounds uh, like a slave so so these village headmen or the gram bojaka they had multiple roles to perform like they also acted as police they also acted as a judge uh, they also acted as tax collector while i mean to collect tax and submit it to the king and they were the major traders back then too okay these times we find this uh, sangam sangam literatures so there are i mean i think i don't know the uh, reason behind why it's, it's named sangam but it has similarities with sanghas sangha the sounding which we have heard in buddhism and we also heard in the vajjis kingdom okay we have governance governance so so i think it has uh, the similar uh, uh, coining reason for the coining uh, the this particular name so we'll get into that so this is like the earliest literature like which is like 2300 years ago so after rigveda uh, these are later called as the uh, later vedic scripts later vedic books so in which the puranas and these are uh, sangam literature fall into so sangam literature puranas uh, and there were some other things also that we forgot we'll try to get back to it uh, okay later so so why is it named sangam so it's almost similar to that of sangha sangha which means like an association or Uh, a group of people forming a committee or something like that so similar way sangam uh, because it's uh, it is it is a compiled literature of various different poets of madurai okay so i think now it's clear why the name sangam so now we'll get into jataka tales so jataka tales are i mean very known and jataka jataka itself means like which are mostly spread through mouth so tales so these are never much written or uh, documented in any of these books so these have been uh, told from uh, mouth to mouth and they are been spreading over generations so so few jataka tales were mostly uh, written and preserved by the late uh, buddhist monks bodhisattvas so these are stories from about generic people which are very uh, real uh, realistic and very adaptable to everyone's lives so now we'll try to learn about this word called ring wells okay so how people use these ring wells over those times so there were rows of pots or ceramic rings that are arranged on top of each other like uh, like currently as we have these uh, cement uh, tanks that are built on houses which are of made of cement rings in the similar way there were rings or pots that were stacked upon each other so these were used as toilets or drain pipes so whenever the hollow in between in these uh, 
structures were used to drain the water or the wastage out of uh, out of the house into the uh, into the lanes from which they are being again directed to the main drainage lane okay so now we'll try to know about uh, baruch 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 so the greek name of baruch is barigaza barigaza so so baruch is uh, currently located in gujarat as we all know it's a very famous place and uh, so baruch uh, is known for its uh, gulf like uh, entry as a harbor so it's it was very difficult at those times to bring in ships for trade into those gulfs so uh there were uh, i mean there were some uh, proofs in sangam that uh, the traders used to hire the skillful fishermen to drive these ships into this uh, uh, baruk port so that was very difficult to get into that gulf area it was very narrow so what kind of imports and exports that used to happen at the baruk port so imports if we cut if we uh, read the names the most uh, prominent were the wine copper tin lead coral topaz cloth gold and silver and uh, if we see the exports then we have these kind of ivory agate chameleon cotton silk and perfumes okay so whenever the merchants or the trades they enter the kingdom they used to bring special gifts for the king so these special gifts vary from vessels to a woman beautiful woman so they were like they used to bring singing boys they used to bring beautiful women for king to i mean for his courtyard and uh, they used to bring uh, very uh, smooth wines or beautiful wines and uh, and some special clothes that are being sold across the world so now we'll try to know about the coins so what coins were in uh, prevalence at, at that time so there were these uh, coins called punch marked coins so as we all know how newspapers get printed nowadays it's more like punch dyeing or punch printing so wherein the newspaper gets in onto the machine and you have this uh, screen or die that generally uh, try to print whatever is 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 in it onto the paper so in the similar way uh, in the similar way you have this punch mark coins where the coin uh, sheet or something will get onto uh, get under the die which has a print of the coin so that uh, die is been hard pressed onto the coin sheet so that this print is transferred onto the coin so the coins were of various shapes at those times the they differed from being in circular shape to square to rectangle so depending on uh, depending on the types of currencies and the value of the currencies so now we'll try to know about mathura so mathura is uh, as we all know is currently located in uttar pradesh and it's uh, it's a district by its own so at at that time mathura i mean at the 
the time madura was a prime location for trade because it was uh, it was a perfect place for all the asian i mean asian subcontinent to trade uh, to the south asia and the north asia and east and western parts of our indian subcontinent so there were uh, uh, the crossroads for the north south and east west uh, areas crossed at mathura at, at those times so it was like a prime location for the exchange of trades that used to happen so 2000 years ago so mathura was uh, selected i mean mathura acted as the capital for kushana's kingdom so kushana empire so we'll try to learn it in uh, the upcoming lessons so the, now we'll try to know about the crafts <coughs> okay so that used to be there in these times of uh, in these uh, years so nbpw northern black polished ware okay nbpw just remember the full form this might be important for upsc nbpw northern black polished ware so the this uh, this talks about the fine pottery the shiny or the black pottery which is made using the wheel at those times so those were very premium and very good looking so those uh, these pottery skill was uh, named as in in npw okay so many uh, craftsmen uh, they have formed their uh, organizations for uh, for multiple purposes so those organizations were called trainees so the the purpose of uh, i mean creating these trainees were to provide training to uh, the laborers to learn the craft and artifact uh, making and the second one is to procure raw materials from distance in bulk for these craftsmen who are located in an area and uh, uh, this trainees also was a center to sell their uh, final products so it's almost like an uh, cooperative society that we currently run for hand looms like, uh, in different states by our state governments so it's almost similar so it's uh, at that time it was called strainy now we call them as cooperative societies like uh, apco or transco not transco but uh, tesco telangana state cooperative society cooperative for weavers okay so it uh, these strainies also also acted as uh, banks for some financial financial assist- assistance for crafts craftsmen so now we'll try to know about arikamedu okay arikamedu uh, as a place in puducherry so this was the time where the time of 2200 years to 1900 years ago this period where uh, arikamedu was a very good port and it's a one of the prominent port of india so ships used to unload the goods at uh, arikamedu so it was one of the site also where uh, excavations happened so they found that uh, there were many brick warehouses that were found and uh, there were few uh, the 
artifacts that have also been uh, uh, i mean excavated like uh, amphorae amphorae is uh, is a jar it's like a tall jar with having two handles to hold uh, two handles to hold and uh, it's a very tall jar and it is generally used for storing oil and water in it so generally these jars were uh, uh, traced back to mediterranean region so, so so that we can easily relate that uh, that kind of a trade used to happen at arica medo and second uh, types of uh, traces that we found were aretine ware aretine ware is an italian uh, craft uh, where they used to make this pottery red color pottery and they used to uh, make designs using stamping uh, on the surface of the those vessels or bowls that they used to make okay and there were also traces of big uh, dyeing tanks where nothing as a solid proof has been found whether these dyeing tanks were used for dyeing uh, artifacts or any clothing materials so as we all know we came to the end of this lesson now we will be talking about this elsewhere as uh, this is something parallel that is happening elsewhere in the world comparatively to india so now the place is rome so rome is called known as the oldest cities in the world so this uh, rome almost is in near with our ganga valley civilization so it was also a capital for the largest roman empire that was there so one of the famous rulers of that empire was augustus so who almost uh, ruled 2000 years ago so rome is known for its architecture and uh, its, uh, the the city buildings and the way everything is planned the city planning so there were many or we need to study about in uh, rome and it's a, way, a very good place for architecture students to uh, do research so at those times uh, there these were the kind of first uh, first of its kind uh, amphitheaters parks public baths fountains aqueducts which were constructed in rome so these were uh, were kind of an inspiration and a source uh, for source for further development of our urbanization across the globe so aqueducts aqueducts is something like a bridge that generally carries water to different places uh, across the across the region now we uh, step into chapter 10 traders kings and pilgrims okay traders so at those times traders uh, they used to trade uh, many things from india
India and they used to also bring back many things from outside world so one of the major things that uh, was exported from India was pepper so it was uh, it was so much famous in Rome that uh, a huge amount of uh, export in quantity and a huge amount of tax has been uh, uh, earned by India through pepper so the pepper is also known as black gold in Rome so this need to be remembered for UPSC pepper is a spice that is known as black gold in Rome okay <coughs> so so where did this pepper come from and what else was uh, was famous for from India to export so South India was famous for pepper so other than pepper south india was also famous for gold spice other spices and very precious stones so these all uh, these all were exported uh, to asia and european countries so traders took advantage of monsoon winds to sail in arabian and bay of bengal to reach india so like the traders from greek iran and they used to use these winds help to reach india so uh, during this time uh, there were many new kingdoms that arose uh, along the south coast okay so we have some traces in sangam so as we all learned about this sangam it's a literature or i mean it's a earliest literature that was found in 2000 years ago 2300 years ago so it was like the later vedic scripts that was formed and uh, it's uh, mostly written by the tamil poets and uh, it's some amalgamation of uh, all the literature compiled from compiled inside madurai so in sangam poems mentioned uh, about muvendar so muvendar means uh, the kingdoms who generally ruled uh, at those periods uh, that muvendar uh, means three chiefs who generally controlled the south, southern part of india so they were cholas cheras and pandyas so this uh, as this book uh, as this sangam was uh, to 2300 years ago this whole story is of that uh, period so these three kingdoms have two cities of each one is inland and other one is coastal uh, one is uh, one is the coast or the port area so cholas has puhar or kaveri patnam which which was which was a port and pandya has uh, madurai which was a ca- which was their capital so these two were most prominent out of the six uh, cities so after 200 years of these kingdoms uh, in south india uh, there uh, rose the kingdom called chatavanas so they became more powerful in the western india the important ruler whom to be remembered is the gautami putra shatakarni of shataka uh, shatavarnas so these rulers uh, along with shatakarni there were other few rulers who were called as lords of dakshina pada okay so 
so now that this is important it's important it's it's uh, useful for you to remember this might uh, come as a multiple choice question in upsc so shatak gautami putra shatakarni with few other rulers were uh, named as lords of dakshinapada because they used to control the the whole southern uh, pathway or the roads that lead to southern india so now we come into this interesting topic called silk road that we have some of the other were heard uh, in our studies uh, at school so silk road so first before knowing silk road we'll try to know about the silk so silk is is known for its uh, soft texture shiny rich glossy and high valued fabric so the process of silk uh, silk making was first invented in china 7000 years ago so they what they used to do is they try to take cones uh, from them they used to spin the thread out and then they used to use this thread to weave the cloth okay so people from china who carried silk along with them to distant places by foot horses or any camels so that route has been uh, defined as the silk road which means the silk is been silk that is been traveled to different places that whole uh, route is been named after it so china has kept the production the process of production as secret for many centuries so many tried to find routes to import silk from china because it was uh, it was difficult and dangerous to import silk so import silk importing silk into south southern asia uh, was quite a task because of the uh, t- because of the uh, taxes and because of the robberies that used to happen very frequently so many kings have taken an advantage has took advantage of silk road to gain more taxes and uh, on the name of taxes they used to give protection to traders from robbery so because uh, so entering into southeast asia involves many uh, crossings uh, through uh, hills and mountain regions where there was scope for robberies to happen so 2000 years ago there was this kingdom of kushnas so they they were known for controlling the silk route so what they did was to uh, try to control the route from two centers one was mat peshawar and one one was mathura peshawar and mathura peshawar is currently in pakistan so in their period silk route uh, extended towards mouth of indus and is traded to romans okay so kushanas were the earliest to issue gold coins for the traders along the silk road okay this thing this could be one of the upsc questions to uh, uh, in multiple choice so who were the earliest to introduce uh, gold coins in trading for uh, into existence of exchange currency or something like that so your answer should be kushanas okay now now we'll try to learn about expansion of buddhism so most famous ruler of kushana was kanishka okay 
so now here comes the word kanishka kanishka i think is a well known name uh, from buddhism so this was period uh, 900 1900 years ago so kanishka used to organize buddhist councils so <coughs> and uh, so uh, as uh, we all know there was a book called buddha charita it's a biography of buddha it was written by ashwa gosha so he was in the council of kanishka so generally uh, in all this buddhist council he always uh, asked people to write the buddha charita in sanskrit or translate it into trans sanskrit so this uh, buddha charita the previously the buddhism was known as theravada buddhism or the normal uh, buddhism so after the uh, after the uh, written after the writing of buddha charita there uh, came the new uh, buddhism which is called the mahayana buddhism so this mahayana buddhism is being introduced by kanishka okay so mahayana buddhism is totally related to buddha charita after the release of buddha charita so what is the difference between mahayana buddhism and normal theravada buddhism theravada okay so in uh, before, before in theravada buddhism there were no ideals or imagery of buddha uh, was used for preachings or teachings okay Uh, but in mahayana buddhism it's quite opposite they started introducing uh, buddha wherever possible in the preaching so to, so that people can easily relate and understand what what they try what they are trying to preach okay uh, in the theravada buddhism instead of buddha they used to use the bodhgaya or the people tree just to represent buddha okay uh, that was totally been changed in mahayana buddhism so in theravada buddhism the bodhisattvas or the followers of the buddhism uh, after a certain period of their service they go into uh, their they go alone into uh, personal space where they totally dedicate their time to for peace and meditation but here in mahayana buddhism uh, they were requested to remain social and preach buddhism across the globe so where did mahayana buddhism spread out to and where did uh, theravada buddhism spread out to so mahayana buddhism uh, has spread out to central asia china korea and japan whereas uh, theravada buddhism has been spread out to sri lanka myanmar thailand and indonesia so now we will try to know more about the pilgrims so pilgrims uh, are the people who undertake journey to holy places for worship so <clears throat> so there were a few notable pilgrims who generally have been to asia to know more about buddhism so these notable pilgrims of buddhism were mostly from china the the first pilgrim who came was fak zian fak zian who came in 1600 years ago and the later second one was suhong zing who came in 1400 years ago uh, and the third one being ai king ai king king the king here starts with q ai king i q i n g okay 
so uh, he his journey is dated back 1350 years ago so uh, every pilgrim who has visited asia at those times wrote about the dangers they faced while they travel to places where buddha lived and preached so the main reason for them to visit these places is to get the acquaintance of it and try to understand what the situation or the uh, areas that made buddha uh, a prominent figure in that time okay so after that we'll try to know about the uh, the bhakti the bhakti philosophy so bhakti is derived from the sanskrit word bhaj bhaj means divide and share okay so so bhakti is also defined as uh, a person's devotion towards a deity of their choice okay so anyone rich and poor can follow so there was no limitations or there there was no uh, there was no restrictions in the hierarchy of society of using bhakti so from bhakti the the name derived bhagavat the one who shares bhaga or fortune or bliss so bhagavat means bhagwan so who who shares his fortune with people who are in devotion with him okay so the the bhakti concept comes from the name as we already uh, read bhaj means divide or share whatever they have so bhagavat or the bhagwan shares his bliss or fortune with his uh, bhaktas so this became popular with the help of notes in mahabharata and uh, bhagavad gita where krishna tells arjuna to abandon all the dharmas that he has followed till now and take refuge or belief or devotion in him in krishna so this whole thing is derived from bhagavad gita which is part of mahabharata so it was also believed that pure devotion will bring those beloved devotees to appear in whichever form they want to so these forms differ from animals plants to human beings so <clears throat> so there was also one person who uh, who was a vallal vallal uh, uh, his name was appar so i already studied about them so he started writing about lord shiva praising him and his poems <clears throat> in the same period of bhakti okay so so using this belief or the concept many of the artists have started making beautiful images of uh, these deities okay they have started giving uh, structure to god or deities using figures of uh, animals and human beings and mixed figures now we'll try to learn about hindu so hindu the name itself suggests that it was derived from the word hindus like similar to india so this word was actually used by arabs to define or call people who live by the east coast of hindus hindus so the west coast falls in uh, pakistan so the the this name was used to uh, define or call people who lived in india okay 
so now that we came to the last section elsewhere so we'll try to know more about the christianity which was also happening uh, which was also flourishing in other parts of the country in the same time so 2000 years ago christianity emerged in west asia so jesus was born in bethlehem bethlehem it was part of roman empire so he used to call himself as the savior of the world so <clears throat> So Kerala Christians are considered to be the oldest Christians and they are called as Syrian Christians because the, this, uh, these Christians who were part of this uh, 2000 years old, they have traces uh, coming to Kerala and get settling down. So that's it for now and we have completed 9th and 10th chapter. Uh, in this podcast hope you all are liking it if you have any feedback or any kind of suggestions for my improvement uh, while telling the stories so uh, you are all uh, welcome and you can uh, follow my follow me on instagram on the id called think like ias so you can also share your feedback there and if you like the content please share and follow me And uh, thank you and have a great day.